everyone. Welcome to another episode of Debatable with your hosts, Nina and Kyle. I'm Kyle. And I'm Nina. And this is our last episode for this Pride Month. Today, we're going to talk about rainbow capitalism. So we wrote this episode with Nico, who truly lives up to their title of gay person from everywhere. I don't want to say the B word, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's true. They do live up to their name. <laughs> yeah. So we'd like to thank them once again for helping us with this episode. This is like going to be their third appearance. Well, for the listeners, it's their second appearance or, or second time helping us. But once our debatable intervarsity ends, you know, this is going to be like the third episode that they're a part of. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about rainbow capitalism. And that's, I think it's a fitting end to our streak with Pride Month because Rainbow capitalism is sort of like the fancy, fancy term for, you know, the memes we've been seeing about corporations and brands changing to like rainbow versions of their logos for Pride Month, even if they don't hire any gay people, for example, or they have hostile work environments for trans individuals. So some people from the LGBT community say that this is actually against what Pride Month is all about. And simply put, that capitalism just cannot coexist with what pride is meant to be um, and what it's meant to be celebrating, which begs actually the question of what even pride is meant to celebrate. And I want to pass this to you, Nina, because I'm about to cough because I'm so sick right now. Yeah, so Kyle is sick if you've been noticing from their voice, but we must persist because Pride Month actually is all about persisting despite odds as well. Oh, smooth transition. That was so smooth. Like, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Pride Month celebrates and represents a lot of things. So it's an acknowledgement of the efforts and strides taken towards the acceptance of the LGBTQIA plus community. It's representation for those who are still in the closet or live in conservative areas, etc. And it's inherently political, with Pride celebrations in 2017 being highlighted as one of the most political celebrations after the 2016 Pulse nightclub shooting ad and Trump's anti-LGBT policy. But what is rainbow capitalism? So rainbow capitalism, as Kyle mentioned, it's a very fancy, fancy term, but it's basically corporations putting LGBT branding all over their merchandise. So rainbows, pride flags, marketing and advertising aimed towards members of the LGBT community. Like, we support the gays. Big old bites, you know? Like, done during Pride Month, during June, although some companies have LGBT-centric products year-round, it seems like it's blown out of proportion during this month. Or it's done on steroids because this is the only month somehow that it feels legitimate for companies to do this. Not sure why they feel like it has to be only June-specific, though. And it's building businesses around the idea of pride, sexuality, gender identities, etc. It's similar to pinkwashing, which is a phenomenon that anything pink-colored is immediately an attempt at highlighting breast cancer awareness during Breast Can- Cancer Awareness Month, for example, and things like that. Yeah, just because it's pink, it's automatically breast cancer awareness. Or like an even worse version of that is like, we, we celebrate women today here, have a have a pink deodorant. And it's it's kind of ridiculous, actually. Um, so I think this is a running trend throughout their episodes that capitalism just in general is quite problematic. <laughs> like um this is something that we don't really need to say anymore, but capitalism is kind of problematic. If you really think about it, big old bites. Um 
So one of the reasons why a lot of people say that this is particularly problematic is they don't really support it. They're just being performative without actually believing or like putting money where their mouth is, where it matters. And you kind of see it where corporations in the West, they would change their logos to be uh, rainbow, um, you know, like mimicking the pride flag. But if you go to more conservative countries, those same corporations do not change their logos at all. So they're only pandering to a specific kind of audience. And it's performative because corporations are actually just taking this opportunity to ride on sort of this pride train to take advantage of the celebration of queer identity um, using Pride Month as an excuse. But really, they just want to boost more sales because it's actually quite cynical because if they release uh, a Pride-themed uh, good or Pride-themed merchandise, they're sort of pressuring you to buy it. Because what? Are you saying that you don't support the LGBT? And it's quite difficult for regular people to have to make this nuanced argument about rainbow capitalism on the fly, which is why, in general, even though most people will probably think that it's a business decision, first and foremost, it will still end up boosting sales. Um, and some people actually use it as a means to justify, you know, subpar activism or slacktivism the rest of the year, where buying products in rainbow packaging would immediately mean that they're already significantly contributing to the efforts of Pride without actually taking the time to understand the difficulties of the community that they're trying to empower. So this is actually very similar with other motions, other topics about like commercializing something. Like uh, a decade ago, we had a motion about commercializing nationalism. And the argument there was we should not try to commercialize nationalism because it makes people feel that just because they bought like merchandise, it already means that they're being a good Filipino. And then they go home and then they don't pay their workers. They don't vote, stuff like that. Uh, so people are exhausted actually with um, this sort of awareness where companies and the rest of society, despite doing all these performances, they still have nothing to show for the millions that they've earned through the quote-unquote awareness that they try to achieve. So the common argument in support of rainbow capitalism is, well, it boosts awareness. And the first question there is, can you honestly say that there is any person who does not already know or is not already aware that pride exists? And even supposing that there are people who become aware because of pride, does that necessarily translate into results? Or is it more like a performative kind of activism? In defense of rainbow capitalism, though, I guess there's some leeway to say that it depends on who's doing it. Because I remember debating this motion about asking or celebrating the fact that Pride is being commercialized. And one argument I remember being raised was that the LGBT community benefits significantly, especially if they're the ones who own the company, right? If they're the ones raising money to help their own cause or helping a charity, for example, then capitalism is good because it yields pragmatic and significant benefits for people on the ground. Um, I don't subscribe to this argument, but I think for fairness, it's only justified to bring out that it is an argument that you can run 
it is also a perspective that you can hold as an individual, especially if you see some value or some merit in rainbow capitalism. So yeah, but yeah, I think though that what you have to understand now is like as a person making these decisions, you also have to think or like concede that most of the time these businesses are putting up a performance. So what you what you need to re- reconcile. Even as an individual, and now it's, I'm not saying that it's invalid for you to hold this belief, but what I'm trying to say is you should try to reconcile the fact that most of the time it is a cynical business decision and the fact that there is a minority of companies that are actually pro-LGBT the year-round and this is a really great way for them to boost their sales. So why do you have to focus on the minority Uh, of corporations in this case and celebrate rainbow capitalism in order so that these particular minority corporations can benefit. And this isn't particularly hard to do. I think it's just that many people have a bias towards utilitarianism where if the majority is bad, like there is a net harm, we automatically don't want to celebrate it. But you could argue that that's the thing about rights. It's not there to protect the majority, you know, but it's there to protect the minority. So as long as a single person is, you know, benefiting from these kinds of practices in a good way, then we should be able to celebrate that. In the same way that, you know, most people, when they exercise their free speech, most of the time, it's not good speech, you know, it's not life-changing, but we still celebrate free speech because there is a minority of people who use their free speech for the greater good um, in really good and wholesome ways. So I think that's what we have to reconcile. So you can fall on either side of the fence here, but that is generally the dilemma that you have to recognize. Um, because if you're just blindly choosing one side over the other with respect to this issue, then you're not really doing yourself a, a good service nor are you doing the rest of the LGBT community a service. Yeah. So another issue here besides the whole performative aspect of this rainbow capitalism would be the fact that a lot of companies also engage in hypothetical, oh, no, not hypothetical, but hypocritical practices. So some corporations celebrate Pride Month and engage in rainbow capitalism while also backing a lot of problematic entities. Adidas, for example, has a special collection called the Pride Pack, whatever that means. However, it's also one of the major sponsors for the World Cup, which takes place in Russia this year. And Russia is known to have incredibly oppressive anti-LGBTQ policies and laws that make it unsafe for fans and athletes, as well as members of the LGBT. So this contrast highlights how corporate efforts are met with a void of actual efforts to combat the things they are trying to generate activism for. So it's sort of, it's not sort of, it's very hypocritical that they benefit from the very same thing that they are trying to suppress or trying their best to mitigate, which is pride and the actual expression of individuals on the ground. Yeah, and again, there's the idea that even if they weren't very hypocritical, just in in principle, you know, outcome independent, there's an argument that says we should not commodify activism or even commodify awareness. I mean, I sort of foreshadowed this earlier when I was talking about commodification of nationalism, but to expound on that a little bit more, it says even in the event that these 
companies, like let's say 100% of their profits, you give them to charities or entities that support the LGBT community, there's still no real assurance that this will result in any tangible change for the community. That's one. And secondly, is it really good if we understand supporting or not supporting a particular cause in terms of how much are you willing to spend for a particular cause? So for me, it kind of commodifies um, activism and awareness. And at worst, it I don't know the, the term, but like it seems like you're kind of diluting what it means to support or be an activist in this way by tying the activism to money or commodities or merchandise, things like that. Yeah. So the main problem as well with rainbow capitalism is that it concentrates awareness to one aspect of the LGBT community's concern. So I guess this is building off of what Kyle said, that it's a dilution of pride in LGBT issues. Because most of the time, they only focus on the aspect of identity. And it makes consumers believe that looking at the identity of queer people and acknowledging it is enough to create a safe space for queer people when in reality it's not. Because... In reality, queer people experience multiple issues and concerns all over the world. Hate crimes against trans individuals, false representation in conservative countries, laws that put them in death sentences because of their identity, and all the examples of queer struggles. Sexuality and gender identity, which is what majority of these corporations predominantly highlight, is only a small part of the deep experiences and struggles of the LGBT community. So this becomes incredibly harmful, you could argue. Because it makes people think that recognition of sexuality and identity is enough for empowerment. It justifies the conservative rhetoric that says, you already have this, why ask for more? And it silences clamors of community for deeper action against issues entrenched in these social structures. You could argue, however, on the other side, that you know, looking at identity and sexuality is the first step to understanding these deep, deeper issues. But then you could also question, why does it have to be in the form of capitalism? Why does it have to be through these big entities? Um, you could argue, though, against that, and this is just me bouncing ideas off of other ideas. You could argue, however, that the commodification of activism and awareness is okay because it's still going to be up to the individual what they consume for themselves. right? So just because a big corporation is highlighting identity does not mean that an individual stops there. Again, though, this is something you need to build and prove why it's likely or why people would look deeper into issues because I personally do not agree with that sentiment and would say that because marketing and corporate power is so strong, if you only highlight identity, that's likely the only thing people will see. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah, I sort of understand this and... Siguro, let's try to analyze why people would probably stop at buying, you know, like at looking at identity rather than, you know, the entirety of the human experience with regard to these issues. I think it's the idea that is inherent in marketing where you have so many experiences and you're sort of simplifying it because you want to make the message as simple as possible because if the message is as simple as possible then it is more actionable right so uh, i think we talked about this a really long time ago when it comes to movements or if you haven't 
this is an important like thing when it comes to movements as well where you have to understand like how do you create a message as a movement because you can't make it so specific that it will alienate people because there is just a huge um expectation that in order to be for example an activist you need to go read 30 books you know so it can't be that specific it can't be that nuanced but it also can't be too simple because if it's too simple then you run again into this risk of delusion but for a lot of movements or a lot of people even if let's say they're completely benevolent even if they say i just want to be an activist like this people tend to want to make it as accessible as possible and in order to do that they sort of dumb it down um at the expense of very real experiences that are no longer being talked about so that's the reason why i feel like it will probably stop there because their entry point was something that was not nuanced at all and there's no real incentive to go look for those nuances on the other hand you can probably also say i mean this is you know sort of a rebuttal to what i just said i think you can say something like if you make someone invested with a simple message that is a stepping stone towards other things and this is basically what you were saying but if you put it in the perspective of you know branding and messaging people don't enter into things because they rationally know that it's the best thing to do right people enter things because they felt a particular emotion first but if you make people read 30 books before they're qualified to buy a pride flag then it's hard to make that emotional connection which will push people to making more like investments and learning more about these issues so it is a delusion Yes, so I would like to add to that by saying though that while it is an entry point and I see where you're coming from, even the entry point is already harmful in itself because not only is it dumbed down but it's predominantly white. If you notice a lot of pride campaigns especially by big corporations, it's very centered on the majority. I mean, I know the LGBT community is not exactly a majority But even within that community, there is a group that's predominant, and that would be the white community. So another issue that happens is the erasure of microcosms that contribute greatly to the queer community that's oftentimes left behind. So rainbow capitalism is the reason why so many people, for example, are unaware of the contributions of black and brown queer people to the community. Not many people know that the person who threw the first brick at Stonewall was a black trans woman named Marsha Johnson. No one knows about the struggles of brown queer people in conservative households because of the fact that you only highlight the pride, the identity, um, and you don't focus on the intersectionality that exists. Um, and I know intersectionality may be a big term for some of you, but it really just means the fact that within a community, there exists different groups as well. So if even if you're LGBT, there are nuanced struggles between individuals of color that are LGBT and individuals who are passing or individuals who are part of the white community. And the voices of queer individuals aren't being highlighted because rainbow capitalism hyper-focuses on the pretty side of pride. And sadly, society has, or at least capitalism has enforced a predominantly white um, feature or white-centric idea of beauty 
and the one populated by drag queens and privileged white twinks who made you think pride is about parties and getting drunk drunk with your friends is what ends up being at the forefront. So people don't get to delve deeper into the realities of the community as well. And they feel content with the activism that they did by purchasing Pride-themed products because they can just do that and then call it a day. Though you could say, obviously, that Pride doesn't just stop there. It goes beyond that. But again, you have to analyze the likelihood of that happening, especially when companies are hypocritical and they, like Kyle mentioned, care a lot about branding and marketing. So they're not likely to look at the ugly parts or the nitty-gritty parts of the LGBT struggle and just focus on the things that, you know, dating, drag queens, makeup, etc. Yeah, and the thing about that is I, I feel like even if some of these corporations try to bring in um, people of color, you can also kind of notice that there is still some sort of bias where it's it's colorism, basically. Like, light-skinned people of color um, are more likely to be represented in these kinds of advertisements. Uh, and, Nina, have you watched Into the, in, in the Heights? Oh, no, I haven't yet. I haven't. Yeah, so it is about a small community in New York, Washington Heights. And in reality, a majority of the people there um, have a mix of Latin American and African American heritages. Um, But when it came to the movie, um, and this was a musical that got turned into a movie and was written and made by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is also a Latino, uh, when it came to the movie, people noticed that a lot of, actually most of them were light-skinned people of color. And even to the point that black people were not there except for one character, actually. So um, it was quite interesting because the movie, the musical was about gentrification and how it's making it harder for people who are living there to pay their rent, you know, pay their bills have economic and social mobility. Um, and then when it came to the casting for it, it was also sort of like gentrification, you know, like cleaning it up to make it more presentable by removing, you know, the nitty gritty <laughs> aspects of that community that we do not really like seeing because we're used to a certain kind of beauty that is white or colorist. And just a related reading to this is probably, um, Hood feminism, which isn't really about the LGBT, um, although the LGBT is tackled there quite a lot. Um, it's about women of color that the feminist movement sort of forgot. Uh, it was published last year by Mickey Kendall, and I, it's a book that I recommend people read. But at the end, I think, you know, it's really nice to know that people support you, especially during Pride Month. But everyone, I think, should be wary of perverse incentives and question are they doing this as a part of a cynical business decision or is it like bona fide is it genuine because if it's genuine then you should be able to demand better even before or after pride month so for the people who are good in pride month pride month should not like matter to whether or not they contribute to the movement but for people who are cynical, people doing this as part of a cynical business plan, they are the ones that, you know, 
as outside of Pride Month, they wouldn't change either, regardless. You know, so knowing all of this, rainbow capitalism, entering this Pride Month, we thought that we should do something similar, like maybe change our logo to rainbow colors or something. And I guess we should have done that as well. But we didn't want to seem like we wanted to be part of this trend of brands, if you could call us a brand, that just talk the talk but not walk it. Because while, to be fair, to be fair to us, well, <laughs> while we always take the time to sort of recognize gender issues in many of our episodes, we thought that we could and should be doing more, especially for this month, especially um, to give members of the LGBT community and part of that movement the spotlight. So we that's the reason why we decided to make all of our episodes this month in collaboration with many of our friends from that community. Uh, we also said that this should not end here. It should continue on even after Pride Month. Um, and there are just so many issues in the society that we live in now that for the listeners that Nina and I aren't competent enough to talk about. So we are going to start asking more people to collaborate with us, to speak with us, you know, so we can more faithfully represent the different sides of debatable issues facing us today. And if there is something that you want to talk about with us on the show, or if you don't want to appear in the show because you're shy, but you want to help us write a script about a particular topic, don't hesitate, please, to let us know because you just want to be you know, as fair as we can in representing the people who we fight for in our speeches and hopefully outside of our speeches as well. Yeah, so going beyond rainbow capitalism should always be the aspect of looking beyond the issues in front of us and digging deeper to understand why celebrations happen, why hardships happen in the first place. So we hope that this month was helpful for those that either felt invisibilized or those that felt like Pride Month just wasn't enough because so many people were partaking in it in the wrong way. And if we did partake in it in a way that you're not comfortable with as well, let us know because we're also very open to suggestions as well as criticisms regarding how we conduct ourselves because we recognize as well that activism and doing it properly is a learning process. And despite being debaters, despite studying different political and social issues for years. I think the first step for everyone is to recognize that you never know enough. And you can never know enough unless you actively talk to the very same people that are involved in the issues you wish to know about and wish to talk about. So that's it for this episode on rainbow capitalism. We hope that we gave you both sides of the issue, even if, you know, admittedly, Kyle and I are a bit biased against uh, rainbow capitalism but we hope that you learned a thing or two and once again we'd like to thank Nico for participating in this episode by writing and researching with us and giving us tips as well as giving us the direction for the tone as well as the issues that we should be discussing for this so again that's it for this episode of Debatable we'll see you in the next one bye bye bye